0: Well, good morning. good morning. Come on, you can do better than that. Good morning. good morning. It's great to see you. It's awesome to see so many people here, main level, balcony in the risers. And uh, for the many of you who are joining online and to our many guests from here in the city of Ottawa, across the nation of Canada and around the world, how many of you people are ready, ready for God's word? Come on, are you ready for God's word? Come on, are you ready for, are you ready for God's word? Well, we're in a six-part sermon series, and I'm excited to talk to you for six Sundays about the book of Daniel, and we're calling it Stand, and we're learning how to stand courageously in these turbulent, difficult times. And message number one, we talked about standing out. We looked at Daniel chapter one, the ten must-haves if we're going to stand out in these turbulent times. Last Sunday, we called the message Stand Back. We are standing back and looking at life through God's prophetic calendar, and we started in Daniel chapter two, Nebuchadnezzar. And then we launched into Daniel chapter 5, the good old writing on the wall. And then to Daniel chapter 7, Daniel's first vision, that vision of the four beasts. It was heavy stuff, but I trust it was inspiring. If you missed message 1 or message 2, go to our church website, download it, watch it, listen to it. There's a discussion guide there. Many of our connect groups are bringing it into their connect group, and I trust that it is a blessing. Well, today, for a few moments, I want to take you to the familiar Daniel chapter 3. And I want to share with you, hopefully, something fresh from Daniel chapter 3, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, my shack, your shack, bungalow, and in the fiery furnace. And we're calling this message today, Standing Firm. And I want to talk to you today for a few moments about standing firm, standing strong. And we're going to look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who actually went against the government's command. And they they said, no, we cannot obey the government, Nebuchadnezzar of that day. We need to obey our God. I think Daniel 3 is a critical current chapter for us to look at today. I want to break this message into three parts. And so pull out your Bible and turn to Daniel chapter 3. And I want to start with four similarities, if I can, uh, to us today from Daniel chapter 3, verse 1 down to verse 15. And the first thing I want to share with you is that the world today seems to always create life images for you and I to worship. These, these images of life to worship, whether it's a, a sports celebrity or it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a, a singer of a group. But let's, let's hone it into church life. Sometimes we can make a celebrity out of a worship leader, a worship singer, even a pastor, even a televangelist, those celebrity figures I don't want to be that kind of a church. The only celebrity in this place is Jesus Christ. Amen? Come on. The only celebrity in this place is Jesus Christ. We don't worship man. We don't want anyone to be larger than life. We don't want the image to be focused on us. We want it to be focused on Jesus. Let me read verse 1 down to verse 7. King Nebuchadnezzar, verse 1. He's the wicked king of Babylon, ruled for some 43 years. Bad guy. He makes an image of gold. And it says it's 60 cubits high, six cubits wide, and it's set up on the plains of Dura in the province of Babylon. Find it interesting that the images of gold, when in his dream, the head's gold, and Daniel says that represents you, Nebuchadnezzar, and your rulership of Babylon. I thought it was interesting, just saying that he made it of gold. And it says here that it's 60 cubits high, six cubits wide. Six, six. You can add another six, you got six, six, six. And that's the number Antichrist. Six is the number of man. It means incomplete. It means imperfection. Seven's the perfect number, the number of God. It means complete. And many. Bible scholars say Nebuchadnezzar is the foreshadow of Antichrist. He was narcissistic. It was all about him. So much so that he builds this huge image, most Bible scholars say, of himself. And it's probably made of wood, covered in gold, 60 cubits high, which is 90 feet high. And it is six cubits wide, which is nine feet wide, this huge statue of himself. He puts it on the plains of Dura, which is just outside of Babylon, flatland. Everyone in Babylon can see the image of him, and there it is. Verse 2, he summons the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and that's the pecking order of the leadership of that day, from the most important to the least important, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image of himself that he made for them to come and look at him. Verse 3, so the satrap, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, all the provincial officials... Assembled for the dedication of the image, the king Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before hundreds, probably thousands, of these key leaders and the people standing before this huge statue, wood covered in gold. Nebuchadnezzar, verse four. Then the herald proclaimed, "Nations and people, every language, this is what you are commanded to do. Not suggested. It's not an option. You got to do this. You must." It's a command. It's a governmental command. And commands in those days were presented by a herald, the, the one who would speak the command of the king. Let's look at verse number five. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, all kinds of music, that's the worship band of that day. But this wasn't a worship band to God. It's a worship band to Nebuchadnezzar. You must fall down. Worship the image of gold. The king Nebuchadnezzar had set up. You've got to get down, kneel down. Worship the image of him. Verse 6. Whoever doesn't fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Verse 7. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn flutes, their lyre, harp, all kinds of music, all the nation's people, every language fell down and they worshiped the image of gold. The king Nebuchadnezzar had set up all but three Jewish 30 something guys. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, my shack, your shack, bungalow. They said, We ain't doing this. We are not going to do this. We know it's the command of the government, but this command goes against our conviction, our godly conviction. This isn't preference. Church, there's a difference between a preference and a command, a difference between a, a preference and a biblical precept. And they knew God's word. First commandment, worship no other God. Second commandment, make no graven images. And they said, we know the Bible, we got it in our heart, we're not going to do this. We are not going to bow down and worship you, Nebuchadnezzar, because there's no God like our Jehovah. Come on, give a clap offering of praise to the Lord God. Come on, come on, come on, give a clap offering of praise to the Lord God. Number two, the temptation to create a false image of yourself to impress others. That's what Nebuchadnezzar was doing, very narcissistic. All about me. He wanted everyone to see him and worship him and all about him. And church, let's take off the proverbial mask. We are simply broken people on a journey serving a perfect savior. God is not finished with us. Let's make room, space, and grace for imperfection as we grow in our walk with God. Let's not feel we need to impress anybody. We need to worship God. Then there's number three, the rejection of the world's images can lead to people trying to burn you, literally, in Daniel chapter 3, but symbolically in life today. Let me read verse 8 down to verse 12. At this time, some astrologers came forward. That's the smart people who interpret stuff, and they, they denounced the Jews. They proverbially put Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego under the proverbial bus. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. They're trying to just get on the good side of the king. May the king live forever. Verse 10. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound, horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. Verse 11. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. Verse 12. Watch this. But there are some Jews. Now, they're Babylonians, these astrologers. They're talking about the Jews, and they're 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 jealous because these three Jewish boys are climbing up the proverbial ladder of success, being promoted, and they're jealous. A little bit of racism going on here between Babylonians and Jews. There's some Jews who've set over the you set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach Meshach Benegal. They pay no attention to you, Your Majesty. They neither serve. They don't even serve your gods. And they certainly don't worship the image of gold you have set up. What are you going to do about this Nebuchadnezzar? And so I want you to see that the rejection of world's images leads to people who will burn you. When you stand for God without compromise, you need to expect some persecution. And church, our persecution in Canada is nothing like persecution in other parts of the world where people are literally martyred for their faith for Jesus Christ. But I want to go public and say to you, Canada, listen, we are at a dangerous, pivotal, compromising stage where the slippery, slow digression of drinking the Kool-Aid of secularism, where the church, if they're not careful, can get sucked in and and, and stop standing for their God-given convictions. When will the day come that we have to say enough is enough? I, I'm taking my stand for Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking preference. I'm not talking preference. I'm, not, I'm talking biblical precept. As for me and my life, we will bow down to no other God other than Jesus Christ. I pray, Canada, that we don't experience the day where they tell us we can't say the name Jesus, we can't proclaim the name Jesus, we can't share the gospel. I'm not going to shut up. Sorry for saying those words. I'm not going to sit down. I'm going to stand up and speak up and stand strong for the word of God. And I'm calling you to have the same anointing of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Don't say, go pastor, go pastor, go pastor. No, it's time that the church wakes up, stands up, With an uncompromised conviction, somebody give a little clap offering of praise to the Lord God Almighty in this place. Number four, doing the right thing, just so you know, is going to make some people angry. (laughs) Just, well, I mean, when you stand up for God, it rubs the devil, and the devil uses people to get angry and upset, and they just don't like it, bottom line, 13 to 15. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar, he is angry. And he summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, he's just investigating, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you don't serve my gods and worship the image of gold I have set up? Verse 15, now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. He gives them another chance, but 15, if you don't worship him, I'm gonna have to throw you immediately into the blazing furnace, and then what god will be able to rescue you from my hand. We got the battle of the gods, the God of Babylon against the God of Yahweh of the Jews, Jehovah. And you all know which God's going to. Here's the problem. We know the story from the end. <laughs> we all know they got chucked in the fiery furnace. All good, come out. They're, they're, they're fine. But they didn't know that. They are standing before Nebuchadnezzar and the furnace is probably 100 feet away. You could feel the heat. And Neb gives them one more chance. Just bow down, boys. Just bow down. It's all good. And they said, no way. We are not going to bow down. Now, they could have rationalized it. Let me give you one rationale. Well, you know, we'll just bow down. I might be physically bowing down, but God knows my heart. I might be kneeling down physically, but spiritually, I'm standing tall on the inside. They didn't, they didn't fall for that. They didn't fall for the other rationale. Well, watch this. Nebuchadnezzar, you've been so good to us. You've given us money. You've taken care of us. You've given us education. You've given us a free scholarship and food. You've been so nice. It would be rude for us not just to bow down to this golden image. I don't want to be rude. I just want to be respectful. He said, no way, Jose. They could have said, well, Mom and dad are back in Jerusalem. They don't know what I'm doing. No one sees it. What's the big deal? They could have said, everyone else is doing it. But these boys knew the word of God. The word of God was in them. And they said, "Uh uh-uh, I am not going to bow down. I am not going to bow. I am going to stand out. And I'm going to stand up. And I'm going to stand firm. And I'm going to stand strong, even if it means I'm going to die for my faith in God. In Canada... Canada in these days, I'm saying to you, don't have a weak faith. Have a strong faith. Are you willing to live for Jesus? Or are you willing to die for Jesus? Do not compromise. God will honor your obedience of standing strong and tall for Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 And so Nebuchadnezzar gets angry. Now, I want to take you, if I can, so number two, four things to do when the heat is on. Four things you need to do when, when it's the heat's on, whether you're being persecuted for your faith or the heat's on because you're going through what you've never walked through before and life is tough. Let's talk about, first of all, when you're persecuted for your faith. Number one, don't worry about defending yourself. I tell you, church, you don't have to defend yourself. It says here in verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego replied, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. We don't we don't need to defend it. We've got our conviction. We know what we believe, and we don't have to defend ourselves. And by the way, don't feel you have to defend God. All right? You know, when, when the furnace is burning and the fire is on, the best water fighter, the best firefighter is God, and He's got a lot more water than you. Just saying, all right? You don't have to defend God. You don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to justify it. Just share your conviction and leave it there. And let God Defend you. Let God take care of you. Number two, remember that God has the power to save. God has the power to save. Verse seventeen. They these guys in unison together. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. Now, do you know why they said that? Not because the fire was hot. I'm sure they're freaking out on the inside. I bet their their knees were like, oh boy, I'm a little nervous. But they knew the stories. They knew the history. It was passed on to them from mom and dad. They knew how God had parted the Red Sea. They knew how God had brought down the walls of Jericho. They knew how God had taken a stone in a, in a slingshot of David and took down Goliath. They knew the track record of God. They knew the ability and the power of God. And because they knew the ability and the power of God, because they knew God, they knew what God could do. So they said, you can throw us in the blazing furnace, but the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. Come on, how many people believe that today? God holds the power How many people this morning, on-site, online, believe nothing is impossible with God? Do you believe that today? God is able. God is able. Number three, believe that God will save you. You've got to have an expectation where you, because you believe it. Now, again, I say it. We know the story from how it ended. They only knew it from this side of the furnace, they said, and he will deliver us from your Majesty, hand. That was a bold declaration of faith. Think it through. You don't bow down. You're going in the fire furnace. You're going to die. And they said, my God's able, and my God will deliver me. Believe with all your heart that God will save you. Then here, Isaiah 43, 2 is a verse that Evelyn and I have clung to in our challenges of life. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, You will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Verse 3. I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And I want to challenge the house. Believe God is able. Believe that God will do what he promises in his word. But then there's number 4. Announce your loyalty to God no matter what. God, God, no matter what I'm going to serve you. You see, church, God is not this slot machine God. You don't take your loony and put it in the in, in in the vending machine, and out comes your your pop. You know what you put money in, and you push the button. That's what comes out. That's not God. If that's the way God works, He's not God. You're God. You see, church, you don't just ask and get whatever you want. That's not how it works in the kingdom of God. And some of you sitting here today, you've got more faith than than many of us and more faith than me, and you've been calling out to God, but you've not yet seen what you prayed for. And even though you don't receive what you prayed for, you don't bail on God. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse 18, but even if he doesn't do what we believe he's going to do, we want you to know, Nebuchadnezzar, your majesty, that we, so their plight, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods. We will not worship the image of gold you've set up. You you can I tell you, God can do this, and I believe he will, but if he doesn't, we're not bailing on our God. Church, in these dark, difficult days of 2021, end time days, it's time for the church to not be shallow but have deep roots. The deeper the roots, the stronger the tree. The deeper the roots in your Christian faith, the less likely the winds of of, of secularism are gonna blow you down. The deeper your roots in your faith in God, you will be able to stand when the storms of life come your way. And you'll be able to say, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve our God. We're not gonna worship man. We're We're just not gonna do this. It was several years ago when, we were in the midst of filling out forms as a church for the government sponsorship that we have received year after year, which we've used to our Summer Shake Day program. We're grateful for it. But several years ago, they had a small interesting box on it that they asked us to check off the box. And if we don't check off the box, we weren't going to get the shekels from the government. We we're going to get the money from the government. And to check off the box would have been a violation Of the biblical conviction of this house and this pastor when it comes to abortion and other matters. And we said we are not going to check that box just to get that money. And so we didn't check that box. We didn't get the money. And that's okay. Because I've learned that with shekels sometimes comes shackles. Sometimes when you receive, sometimes it comes with some other realities. And church, wake up wake up, may the sleeping giant called the church wake up and not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, if you can, give a clap offering of praise to the Lord God. I want to share with you three quick things before we come to the final point about announcing your loyalty to God no matter what. And this is true, letter A. Sometimes I find in my life God saves me from the crisis. He protects me. It doesn't happen. He's my shield, and he. I'm I'm going. I'm ready. I'm about to experience something, and God just blocks it, and does something miraculous and saves the day, and the car accident doesn't happen. The tragedy doesn't happen. He saves you from the crisis. But then there's letter B. Sometimes God saves you through the crisis. Oh, you see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego experienced the amazing presence of God and the fire of life that they never would have experienced if they bowed down outside of the fire before Nebuchadnezzar. And I know what I'm about to say is true. Whatever you walk through. Whatever you face, when you're a follower of Jesus, you know that you experience an increased measure of his presence when you're in the fires of life, because he never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He never abandons you. Sometimes God saves you through the crisis, but then let her see. Sometimes God saves you by the crisis. In the first service was my friend, Tim. Tim was sitting right over here. It was it was at least 10 years ago that Tim was playing church hockey, got checked. I mean, imagine that church hockey was rough and someone checked him with a stick down to the ground on the ice. He goes and he cracked a rib and great pain goes to the doctor and gets the x-ray said, you've got a crack rib. But but we noticed from this x-ray, something growing on your lung and through further tests, they discovered that he had cancer on his lung that they never would have detected because you don't have nerve endings on your lung. And because of that check, they discovered the cancer. And because of the check, they did the surgery. And he's sitting in church today alive. And we give God the glory and the honor. We call that check the sovereign check. So sometimes, sometimes, sometimes God saves you by the crisis. First Peter 1, verse 6 and verse 7 says it well. And all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come, verse 7, so that, that, that the proven genuineness of your faith are greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. In our last few minutes this morning, I'm going to take you to number three. I offered offer you very briefly, but I believe very potently, six things God does when you stand firm, you stand strong in the furnaces of life. Before I give you these six things, let me read. Let me read verse 19 down to verse 23, what, what Nebuchadnezzar did. Verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gets really angry because they went bowed down, and his attitude towards them changed, and he ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual. I read that, and I thought, what's the deal with seven times hotter? It's already hot enough. It would already kill them. Hotter won't do any more. It, I mean, it's, it's already hot. It's already going to kill them. Why did he go seven times? Because he lost it. When you're angry... And you lose your cool, you become irrational. There's another sermon itself. We won't, we won't gamble on that. Verse 20 commanded some of the strongest soldiers in the army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them in the blazing furnace. I ask another question why tie them up? The furnace was a pit. It's in the ground. It's not this big, it's, not, it's in the ground, and they throw them down this deep pit that is fire. And they th- why tie them up? They can't climb out. Now, I have a theory, and when I get to heaven, I want to see if my theory is right. I think the reason why Nebuchadnezzar wanted them tied up, because he was a little intimidated by their God. And so he thought, if I tie them up, maybe I can prevent their God from doing a miracle. Just saying, just throwing that out there. And so he ties them up. He he throws them in the blaze. Verse 21, so these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, that's the fashion of the day robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. Verse 22, the king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the three men firmly, firmly, not just tied, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. God, we know that you can rescue us. And we know that you will, but even if you don't, We're not going to bow down, and we're not going to worship the golden image. My faith still holds. I want to give you these six things. Number one, you know this is true. God will walk through the fire. God will walk through the fire. God will walk through the fire with you. Did you hear me today, church? Not he might. He will. Your spouse dies. God will walk through the fire with you. Going through cancer? God will walk through the fire with you. You lose your job. You don't have to pay the bill. God will walk through the fire with you. He will never leave you. He will never. There's another in the fire. Please don't make me do a rap this morning. There's another in the fire. Verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men we tied up through into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, verse 20, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and harmed, and the fourth looks like the son of God. So that's that's what he thought. It's really Jesus, because there's another in the fire. They're walking in the fire. Now, now honey, I thought back when you and I were visiting your, your niece, Atlanta, Georgia, and it was early morning, and it's it's hot. I didn't realize how hot Atlanta, Georgia gets, and I walked out on their, their nice patio thing, and I'm in my bare feet, and it was so hot, my feet were burning, and I, I'm, oh, I'm just... God, this is so hot, and now I'm outside. I just want to get back in, and if I was in a fire, I wouldn't be be walking around. I'd be running. I'd be climbing to get out, but they're walking around because even though they're in the fire, Jesus is with them, and when Jesus is with you, everything is going to be all right. Come on. Give a clap offering of praise. Everything is going to be all right. Hebrews 13, 5, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Let me give another window in Isaiah 43, verse 2. When, I'm not if, when you pass through the, you will go through tough it. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Number two, God will burn everything. It's trying to hold you down, tie you down. When I go through crisis, God refines me. Anything I walk through that's been difficult, he refined my character because God's more concerned about my character than my comfort, and he burns away attitudes. He burns away things. In fact, if someone has a cut in their shoulder and and you're out out in the woods and you don't know what to do, sometimes take a little bit of metal and they'll they'll, they'll light it up with a match, they'll heat it up, and and the heated up metal will cauterize the, the wound. And there's something about heat that can bring healing, and God burns off everything tiny. Look at verse 25. Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. God's burning off things. And the, the the ropes that were holding them back were removed. The ropes were burned off. And church, you will be better after the crisis than you were before the crisis. And God will bring something new in your life that he wants to do in and through it. I say if 48,10, see, I've refined you, though not a silver. I've tested you in the furnace of affliction. Then there's number three, God will give you a new freedom. I'll tell you, church, after you get to the other side of Christ, you're free. You're free. What used to bother you doesn't bother you anymore. What used to just mess you in your mind doesn't bother you anymore. There's a, there's a new found freedom. Psalm 68, 12, you let the people ride over your heads. So we went through the fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. One translation says freedom. And then there's number four. God will make sure you come out unharmed. And some of you are like, Mark, the crisis was horrible, but the crisis church will not destroy you. Devil cannot destroy you. One of my closest friends is probably watching this service right now. And 30-something years ago, he was diagnosed with cancer. And the doctor said, go home, get your house in order. You're going to die. And he went home, and he got his house in order. 30-something years later, he's still alive, and he's walking and, and healing from cancer. And we give God the glory and the honor and the praise. But come on, go ahead. Give God the glory and the honor and the praise. But early in that journey, he said to me, he said, Mark, He said, I know Jesus can heal me, and I believe he can heal me, and even if he doesn't heal me, I get to go to heaven. He said, if he heals me, I win. If he doesn't heal me, I win. If he heals me, I get to stay on earth longer. If he doesn't heal me, I get to go to heaven sooner. You see, church, win-win. The devil cannot destroy you because when you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we shall live forever. And we're gonna spend eternity with Jesus, with Jesus in heaven, unharmed, unharmed. I want to read to you verse 26, or verse verse 26 and 27. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace, shouted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. In verse 27, the satrap, prefects, governors, royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire, they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies. Everybody say the word miracle. One, two, three, Miracle. They saw that the fire did not harm their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes weren't scorched, and there wasn't even the smell of fire on them. Turn to your neighbor and say, miracle. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, miracle. God will make sure you aren't harmed. Then there's number five. God will use it as a testimony. How you walk through your crisis can be a testimony to the unbeliever. And some of you know what I'm talking about. They look at you and go, I don't get it. You should be falling apart with what you're going through. But how many people know when life is falling apart, Jesus keeps you together. And he envelopes you in a peace that passeth all understanding. Look at the testimony. Let's look at verse 28 and and down to verse 29. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God. Now he's worshiping their their God. Praise be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel. Well, he's just growing in his theology. He thought it was an angel. We know it's a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. And and his angel and rescued his servant. They trusted in him. I love those words. I pray that mankind would say about you that you trusted in God. And they defied the king's command. Verse 28. And they're willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Verse 29. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach... Meshach and Abednego, now I need to warn you, he's brand new in his walk with God. You catch the fish, God cleans them. I'm not justifying what he said here, but he's like, I'm just saying this God is real and anybody doesn't worship this God's going to be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. God obviously was still working on his life for no other God can save in this way. The sixth and the final thing I want to close with and I want the worship band and team to join me on the platform And I want this final truth to soak in your spirit, because when you walk through the trials of life, God moves you to another level in your spiritual journey. God will test you with stress before he trusts you with success. God will walk you through difficult moments before he trusts you with what he wants to do through you in the days ahead. Now, I say this from experience. 35 years pastoring, 35, actually 36 years almost, I've learned that all I've gone through in life has changed and shaped the way God uses me. And what you go through in life, the stress, he will test you with stress before he trusts you with success. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Really, God promoted them. But I want you to stand to your feet all across this place. Main level rises balcony. You're watching at home. I want you to get on your feet in your living room right now. Because I want to declare that whatever you're walking through, whatever you're facing, there is another in the fire. And I want you to lift up your voice and shout that name. His name is Jesus. I'm not going to help you. You're going to shout it on your own. That was a whisper. His name is? His name is? Jesus. Come on, give a clap offering of praise to our Lord God Almighty.
1: There's a grace when the heart is on.
0: bowed. Everyone's eyes are closed in our final moments. On site, online. Today is the day that you stepped into eternity. Are you ready for heaven? Do you know Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior? You've asked him in your life. Can't save yourself, you can't work for it, you can't buy it. Coming to church doesn't do it, reading the Bible doesn't do it, being raised in the church doesn't do it. You have to personally ask Jesus Christ into your life. Was there a time, a place, a moment that you said, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me of my sins? If today was the day that you died and you stepped into eternity, do you know that you're going to heaven? If you can't answer that question with a definite yes before we close, I want to lead you in this prayer and I invite you to join me. Dear Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. I've decided to follow you. I've decided to serve you. Today I say yes to Jesus. I make my peace with you. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your eyes, put your hands together, and celebrate salvations. If you're here on site and you accepted Jesus Christ in your life in a couple of moments on your way out, At the exit points, there's friendly people at some tables at our guest lounge. We've got a Bible for you. It's free. A little booklet for you. Join our online follow class. If you're watching online and you accepted Jesus, reach out to us. We'll reach back to you. And go to our church website and register for our follow class. I believe it will be a blessing. Tonight at 6 o'clock, all church prayer. If you're coming on site, make sure you pre-register. And if you're going to join online, Facebook, YouTube, church website, six to seven, consider coming as a family. It's going to be exciting. Let's one more time thank all of our guests for joining today. Come on, thank all of our guests. And if you're here on site, on your way out, go to the guest lounge on your way out. We have a gift for you, and we just want to bless you. I I want to pray for you in these final moments before we go. And after I pray, you can exit the auditorium. And if you want to stay for personal prayer, there's lines across the altar. You come and stand in one of those spots and at a safe distance, properly COVID-friendly, our altar workers are here to pray for you. But church, I want to pray for you because these are turbulent times. Could we, could, If you can do this, you feel comfortable, just lift your hands high up to heaven as you, you so chose. God, thank you for this amazing church for all those on site and all those online. And I pray, God, that we would be courageous Christians. I pray, God, that we would stand with conviction not with compromise, but with conviction. And I pray, God, that Daniel chapter 3 would grip our spirits and that we would never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray, God, that we would stand tall for what we believe and stand tall for you. But God, I also know there's people walking through the valley. They're walking through the waters. They're in the fiery furnace. And Lord, let them know that there's, there's you. You're in the fire. And God, they will come out unharmed you will bring them through to the other side. It may not make sense from Earth's standpoint, but you will bring them through. Your ways are higher and greater. And God, even if what happens in life doesn't go the way we ask for, we're not going to bail on you. Our faith still holds. And I pray that, God, this church family would have roots, spiritually that are deep. Give us a great prayer night, God. Give us an amazing week. God, I can't wait to gather with the family next Sunday and just give us, God, an amazing week. And we give you, God, the glory, the honor, the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody shouted, Amen. Come on, one more time. Give a clap offering of praise to the Lord God Almighty. Well, this is exciting. There's so many people here, and we're getting ready to start opening up an overflow room. And when the time appropriately comes, we need to add a third service. We'll do that. As many who want to come to God's house, we shall make room for. I don't want anybody not to come because there's not room in the house. And there's still room in the second service. Not a lot, but some. And there's if you're watching online, we got more room in first service. You're welcome to join at nine. And when the time comes to add more, we will. God bless you. Ellen, and I love you. Hope you can come tonight. Six o'clock prayer. God bless you.